Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code Gators on a deposit of $500 or more and you can claim a bonus of up to $200. Visit mybookie.ag for more details. This episode of Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Shark Coatings. Get a different kind of gift this holiday season. Visit sharkfloorcoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you on this opening transfer portal day. Will, my head is still spinning trying to keep up with it all. Uh, But Will Miles right here on Gators Breakdown as he does every Monday night. Joins me to break it all down. So many names, so many just directions we can go with this episode here. You can find Will at his site, readingreaction.com, on Twitter, uh, at Will Miles, S-E-C, of course, Will my, um, YouTube, reading reaction there as well. Will, I, I don't know if you tried to keep up with it today. I know we both have our regular jobs, and that, that's kind of what was first priority today. But anytime you looked at your phone, anytime you glanced Twitter, anytime you went to any Gator talk today, it was left and right transfer portal names, NFL declaration names. It was a busy day. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of laughed at ourselves today because last week after we signed off, we started talking about, well, what are we going to do next Monday? Like, what's the topic going to be? <laughs> and we, I guess we hadn't charted out the days or I don't know what was going on. But uh, today was kind of a kind of an interesting day. It's a new it's a new era with the transfer portal, one time transfer forgiveness with, you know, a lot of the guys who already committed to schools didn't get the opportunity to maximize their NIL revenue when they had an opportunity, you know, when they, when they were originally committing. And so now this is their opportunity and it's just interesting to see. It's, it's a completely different dynamic in college football. And certainly I think I read the day on Twitter somewhere that a thousand names are already in the transfer portal at this point. Yeah. And so, you know, just the sheer volume of folks, 
who are planning on on changing places and in many ways it's sort of a game of musical chairs right the the commits have the leverage when it comes to you know nil deals and those sorts of things in high school recruiting i'm curious to see whether the glut of players whether there's so much of a supply that actually we see a deflation of nil deals or whether it's still hey the elite guys are getting their deals and then everybody else is just going to sort of have to play musical chairs to find open spots elsewhere so it's a really interesting time in college football obviously a changing dynamic um you know some good some bad i think it's good that the pair that the players are being compensated i wish they were being compensated out of the tv money but uh you know, hey, it's it's progress, and uh, sometimes progress is good, sometimes progress is painful, and if nothing else, it's entertaining. So we've got stuff to talk about on Monday night as the uh, as the transfer portal truly opens up today. Yeah, as you said, we, a week ago we were like, okay, we'll go back and look at our over under predictions for the season, and there might be a couple names to talk about because I thought a lot of the transfer names would happen last week, but some of them transfer portal opened today on Monday, and uh, we had some late last week, over the weekend, today as well uh, there for the Gators. But uh, also, I, I realized we did our over under predictions at thirteen games, so luckily the Gators do have a bowl game to throw that thirteenth game in. But uh, hey, for some of these guys, it doesn't matter because they weren't even going to play in this game. <laughs> well, so we could go. Go ahead and do our Anthony Richardson over under stuff because uh, he's not going to play that 13th game uh, there for the Gators. So uh, uh, we were wrong. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter what it was. We were wrong. There, we've summarized our Anthony Richardson over unders. People, people realize how bad we are. Nah, <laughs> we've been doing those for a while. We have a lot, a lot of fun with it. Some right, some wrong uh, there. But yeah, there we go. Going back, uh, not to bury the lead, of course. We know the big news: quarterback Anthony Richardson. Declaring for the NFL draft. Defensive lineman Jervon Dexter declaring for the NFL draft and a whole slew of transfers on the way out of Florida. No surprise, honestly, there. I mean, Florida six and six. Uh, dates back to a six and six regular season record last year, of course, as well. Um, this roster needs some adjustment. And I think uh, we all, or not all, but some of us saw this coming. And uh, should be no surprise, honestly, with the way this team uh, had been constructed the last few years that uh, Billy Napier uh, may just want a new look, new foundation uh, there for this team. But before we get into all of that, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. A lot of you watching live on YouTube right now, thank you for joining us live. Uh, hit, that sub- hit that subscribe button, get that bell notification when we go live. You'll know it. But that like button, hit that one more time. It really, really helps us out here. Helps Gator fans out there on YouTube find all the Gator content right here on Gators Breakdown. And, of course, you can keep the conversation going. So many new members in the last couple of days uh, on the Gators Breakdown Plus, hopping in on that Discord, having some good conversation with us. Everybody there, thank you so much for trying to keep up and update everybody today on that Discord. All the names flying in around the country and, of course, in Gainesville uh, there for the Gators. All that conversation keeps going. You can find the link in the description to join Gators Breakdown Plus and get access to extra episodes and, of course, that Discord server where the conversation keeps going. All right, we'll uh, probably uh, we'll get into it a little bit. So probably a little bit of news uh, first before we get into the main topics. But uh, of course, the bowl game, uh, Florida Oregon State, updated time. Uh, the Raiders got flexed to an earlier game on Sunday. Uh, so when Florida plays Oregon State on December 17th, it is now at 2.30 instead of 7.30. Uh, the original kickoff that was announced yesterday, but the NFL and their flex scheduling uh, moves the Raiders game to an earlier time on Sunday. So they're going to move the Gator-Oregon State game up to 2.30 now Eastern 
for the for, for 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 the bowl game. So already just a just a day into the bowl game, Will, we already get a time adjustment. Well, we know how well Florida does with eleven thirty local time starts. So this is probably a bad omen for the Gators. Though luckily we're not playing Missouri or Vanderbilt in this one. So uh, you know, look, I, I'm I'm actually excited to see this. I think there's a lot of a lot of things we're going to be able to learn. A lot of the young guys that potentially haven't been on the field who we're going to get an opportunity to see. Um, guys who aren't going to burn their red shirt, ear, red shirt ear by playing in this bowl game. And we're going to get to see what they have. Obviously, we're going to see what Florida had behind uh, behind Richardson and Kitten at quarterback. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, is that Max Brown? Is that Jack Miller? And what can those guys do within the Napier scheme? And is it maybe less explosive but more consistent than it was under Anthony Richardson? And I think, uh, you know, look, I'm not necessarily expecting a W coming out of this one, but I think – Hopefully, we can get a clearer picture as to what the future under Billy Napier at Florida looks like uh, by by watching this game. Yeah, and of course, the storylines are who's going to be suiting up for the Gators, as Will said. And we all know it came out today that quarterback Anthony Richardson is going to not play in the bowl game, go ahead and enter the NFL draft. And Will, probably not a surprise here. I think we all were kind of hearing that that was going to be the likely outcome for Anthony Richardson uh, as the season was progressing. Uh, of course, did not have the season um, many expected. Of course, I was so high on Anthony Richardson coming into this season uh, and some of the potential we saw last year uh, and putting it all together and, you know, Billy Napier's first year and kind of just really leading this team. We know the weaknesses on defense. I thought Anthony Richardson would be able to make up for a, a lot of that. And sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. Uh, so, uh, but still, either way, did not live up to the high expectation I put on him. Hey, that might be my fault. Uh, but I was not the only one who put that high expectation on the quarterback for the Gators this year. Started off that season so well uh, in that game versus Utah, only for a week later to kind of, you know, probably play the worst game of his career versus Kentucky uh, the very next week. And then uh, didn't play that bad uh, the, the, the rest of the season. That, that Kentucky game bad. Didn't really play good versus USF the next week. But it kind of bounced back. Turnovers limited that uh, as the season went on. Uh, but, Will, of course, the big question uh, will, will, will be, you know, should he have stayed? Or should he go to the NFL draft? Well, that doesn't really matter. He's going to go. Uh, but I guess coming out of that is, is it a good decision for Anthony Richardson to leave Florida, go ahead and go uh, to the NFL? And there's so many ways to look at it. Of course, he could have stayed, got more experience uh, in Billy Napier's offense in the offseason. Maybe they can build something together uh, and the offense takes off next year, much like we thought it would this year since he had that year of experience. But also, if he did come back and he didn't improve and there was you know very little development, whether that be because of Billy Napier, Ryan O'Hara, you know, the coaching staff, or either just Anthony Richardson has just hit a ceiling and there's nothing else to unlock. Well, that's a detriment to him and his future NFL draft that he was going to come back for one more year and then put not that much great film out there and then reduce his draft stock even more. So right now, I think there's a lot of pundits, there's a lot of scouts, there's a lot of GMs out there that still see the potential of Anthony Richardson and more than likely has led to him to go ahead and declaring for the NFL draft. Yeah, well, look, we all know that he's going to go and do just otherworldly when it comes to the combine. Yeah. 
from his jumping statistics, his athletic statistics, the 40-yard dash, his ability to chuck the ball down the field. And he's going to have that in a very controlled environment where I am assuming he's going to be very accurate as well when he's throwing against air. And so I think he's going to have some workouts that are going to wow people. I think he believes he's going to have workouts that are going to wow people. And it only takes one. And based on the projections that you sort of saw coming into the year, there are going to be some NFL teams that think about him in the bottom half of the first round or the top half of the second round and say, now I'm getting a deal because this was a guy who was considered a top five draft pick by a lot of the experts before the season had sort of some ups and some downs but that was the thing about Richardson is that his ups were really really high and his lows were really really low there wasn't a whole lot in between I can't you know there's not a game where I said oh he played average in that game it was always either it was either significantly above average or significantly below average and so there are going to be people out there who think that they can coax that above average out of him and maybe they're right right I, I don't know whether that's the case. I think there's some other things that come into play here too. One of which is if you look at like Pat Mahomes in the NFL, he comes in, he gets a four-year, $16 million contract from the Chiefs as a first-round draft pick, gets a $10 million signing bonus. Okay, that's good money. Kyle Trask, I think, was around $5 bucks for being high in the second round, and he's been sitting around behind Tom Brady this whole time. But the thing that you, I think you have to look at when you think about the NFL is Mahomes then signs a 10-year, $450 million deal after he becomes a star. And that's really where the NFL, the real money in the NFL is made. They they brought in a rookie salary cap years ago in order to sort of control and, and prevent holdouts and those mm -hmm. sorts of things, but really control costs for the younger players. And so the earlier you get into the league, the earlier you get to that second contract, and that second contract is really where you make the truly life-changing money. So if the NIL deal is sitting on the table for, say, a million bucks, $2 million, and he can be a second-round draft pick, well, he's already almost tripled that by being a high second-round draft pick. He's going to be five or six million bucks. But beyond that, he's getting his career started a year early, which means that when he comes to, let's say, two, three, four years from now, he's getting that second deal. People don't look at him and go, oh, you're 27 or 28. Are you really worth that big deal? Now you're 26. We'll give that to you and, and give it to you gladly. Um, the other aspect is, is that, you know, I, I think you sort of mentioned this. If he comes back and develops another year and becomes better and better and better, that's great. But we already have a much clearer view of what Anthony Richardson can be than we than we did last year. And last year, after the USF and after the FAU games, I mean, it was like, wow, this guy can be a program-carrying level quarterback. And if he came back next year, that wouldn't be my expectation. My expectation would be that maybe he takes a jump, that maybe he improves significantly. Um, I suspect he would probably run less because there's an injury risk and there was already complaints about how often he was running this year. And what happens if there's no more development? Mm -hmm. And if there's no more development, then that puts you at risk of people saying, okay, you're toolsy, but it's not a matter of you needing seasoning. It's a matter of you not actually taking that next step. And you factor in the fact that he needs to do that with a coach that he was not recruited to play for. And that, I think, is the thing that probably seals the deal. And this isn't a bad thing on Napier. It's not a bad thing on Richardson. It's just Richardson came to Gainesville to play for Dan Mullen. And now he's playing for Billy Napier. He has sort of an up-and-down year, and he's got to decide, well, if I have another up-and-down year, my draft stock may go down, as opposed to if I go now, people are drafting him on his upside anyway. Right. If this was somebody who was like ultra consistent and it was like, well, he just needs to raise his level of play. Okay. Maybe you decide to stay for that because you're not going to get drafted on your potential. You're going to get drafted based on your, <laughs> based on the consistency. Yeah. In this case, Richardson is not a first round draft pick because of anything he's done on the field. He's a first round draft pick because of the potential he has to develop into someone who can be an elite level player on an NFL playing field. 
And the only thing, I mean, in my view, the only thing that you do next year is harm that. If you stay for another year and and play well, people are still going to pick holes in your game. And if you stay and you play poorly, well, now you've cost yourself quite a bit of money when it comes to going to the pros. So he's going to rock it at the at the um, at the pro day. He's going to rock it at the combine. Um, I have zero doubt that that people are going to walk out of there going, "Wow, that guy has every tool that's necessary to succeed." And then it's going to be up to him because he's going to have the best coaching in the world. And I doubt he's going to get drafted by somebody who's going to throw him in there, there into the go. fire, at least to start with. You know, there's been a lot of rumblings about like the Vikings taking him in sort of the bottom half of the first round or trading back in the second round to take him. You put him behind a guy like Kirk Cousins, where Cousins is going to have another year or two to play. And then Richardson can sort of st- can learn and then step in. I mean, let's be honest. If somebody was going to pay me, if somebody offered me a million dollars to go chase my dream at 11.58 this morning, I would have had my two weeks notice in by noon. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Congratulations, Anthony Richardson. You did, like, assuming that you rocked the combine and assuming you get drafted in the first or second round, you did exactly what you came to the University of Florida to do. And... I think you shake, you shake, you shake his hand. You say congratulations, and that's what we want. We want guys coming to the school and leaving in three years. And even if it's because they're really, really talented, great. That means we got really talented players coming to coming to the University of Florida, and and that's what we want. We're going to have to get used to it, and not only are we going to have to get used to it, I think we're going to want it. Right? We should want every recruit who comes in to go into the NFL three years from the day he steps on campus because that means you have a healthy program that is producing a ton of NFL talent and producing a ton of NFL talent that's producing on the field because, you know, Richardson had to show something on the field this year. We've seen a lot of the good, and that's going to be what people are holding on to when they're deciding whether they're going to draft him or not. Yeah, go back to your point where I hope, and I know these NFL teams, you, you hope they're smart enough to not just throw him in the fire <laughs> right away. He's not ready for that, uh, as, as we know. And look, and I mentioned it yesterday on the, the bowl game uh, episode, of course, where we were wondering uh, what Anthony Richardson would do or when that announcement would come. And we heard Chris Mortensen on NFL Countdown on ESPN say yesterday, hey, look, you know, there has been the thought that you know, GM scouts want him to come back to college for another year. Uh, because they're not completely sold. They want to see him do it on a more consistent basis. Uh, but also on the other side, especially if he's going, and we've heard it all year, no matter what the stats were, no matter how bad of a game he had, hey, he's still one of the top three, top five quarterbacks here in the draft. And look, there was another one today I think I saw where he was the second overall quarterback uh, as far as power right. rankings go in the, in, in the NFL. So you know, we're, we're going to hear both sides of it. And of course, a lot of people will say it only takes one team. And, and we know that. We've seen it time and time again in the NFL of drafting based on potential. They don't want to be the team that misses uh, on Anthony Richardson. I look, I have my doubts that he makes it in the NFL because of what we saw this year. Uh, but that's not the way some NFL teams think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I mean, here's the deal. If you and again, I'm not a professional talent evalu- evaluator. I do this on the weekends and in the evenings. But if you gave me the option and said, "Well, your job depends on it. You're an NFL GM. Are you taking Will Levis or are you taking Anthony Richardson?" Mm. I'm taking Richardson. And the reason is is because I think Will Levis has an opportunity to be maybe like Ryan Tannehill 
in terms of that level of starter in the NFL, but likely is going to be a career backup. And you're going to have somebody who who comes in and sort of fills the Chase Daniel role or the Brian Hoyer role or something like that. And there's no shame in that, but that's kind of what I see from a guy like Will Levis. Now, maybe he surprises me and turns out to be a better NFL quarterback than he was at Kentucky because this year at Kentucky, with all the hype, I didn't think he was all that great. I, have, I didn't think he was all that great last year either. But maybe he surprises me, right? And that's always possible. And sometimes guys make jumps in the NFL. He certainly has the arm to participate in the mm-hmm. NFL, but I didn't see anything from Levis that like jumped off the field and said, oh, like I think that guy's going to be great. But everybody sort of had him in the top five. <laughs> in fact, they were they were pushing the, the Kentucky-Florida game as two top five yeah. quarterbacks who were going after each other, and it turned out neither one of them was any good in that one. But again, <laughs> I go scout, back to – There were scouts galore in the swamp that night, and <laughs> the scouts didn't get to see either one of them play great. So, I mean, I guess my point is, though, I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to be some solid backup who sits in a system for for five or ten years and never sees the field. Yeah. Maybe he does, but I think that's less likely. I think he's a boomer bust candidate just like he was on the field yeah. all year long for Florida. And Levis is the guy who you go, okay, I'm a general manager who needs to – like, I need steadiness in my program. I need a guy who I know is going to come in and, and at least give me something. And then you go draft Levis. So if you think about a team like Minnesota – or you think about a team like uh, New England potentially, or you think about a, a team like uh, maybe the Jets if Mike White's there and they're they're done with with the Zach Wilson experiment. You start thinking about teams like that. Maybe the Packers decide to bring him in and then ship off Jordan Love. Like you can think about a lot of these different program or a lot of these different teams that have good structure, good infrastructure around them, and can and can sort of wrap him in that infrastructure. Now if he gets drafted by the Colts. I think that's a problem, right? Because then they're going to want to throw him in their first day. They're going to want to use the skills that he already has. You know, four or five games in, they're going to realize they're not any good, and they're going to go, well, let's put him in there. And I think that might be a mistake. But look, I mean, is he is he any worse a, a draft candidate than Jamarcus Russell? Hmm. Like, I don't think so. I yeah. think he's just as gifted, if not more gifted, than Jamarcus Russell. And obviously, Russell had some off-the-field concerns that ended up sort of sinking him there in, in uh, Oakland. And so if you think about that, if you think about sort of the toolsy guys who get drafted, and then it's a question of work ethic. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, some of the things I've been impressed with. Like when he when he played poorly against Kentucky, there were, there were um, pictures that came out on Facebook and stories that came out on Facebook about him stopping after the game to play in the parking lot with some kids after he was done with the game. And, and there were a couple of games where he didn't play very well where there were stories that came out like that. And so you think about a guy who has that sort of temperament where he's able to separate himself from, hey, I'm competitive on the field, but then when the game's over, I'm able to show compassion for other people. Obviously, you have the Dodge incident as well out in Newberry, and that's something that I'll have to answer for at the uh, at the Combine as well. But you know, from the standpoint of like character concerns and things like that, there's really nothing here from all from all um, – you know, from from all the information that I can gather in terms of that sort of stuff, Richardson's an awesome guy to be around and is a great teammate. And the, the way he sort of handled it when he was behind Emory Jones, I think speaks volumes about him as a person as well. And so you start combining all of those things, and you go, okay, well, from a personality standpoint, he's not a risk. He's a boomer bust candidate, but that boom can be a big, big boom. And, you know, if you're a team that's looking at, like, say, you know, when Patrick Mahomes got drafted, there were a bunch of guys who got drafted in front of him who I think were seen as more steady. And Mahomes turns into the star, and I'm not saying Richardson's going to be a star, but I'm saying that there is an opportunity then for uh, for Richardson to be that guy. And like you said, no GM's going to want to turn that down. 
Yeah, unfortunate will that it just did not turn out <laughs> like we like the way we wanted it to. We were hoping if he was going to go be this high draft first round pick that he's going to be in the Heisman ceremony this weekend, or you know he's leading Florida to some you know these big th- great things. And look, that's like I said, um, coming into the season, that's kind of what I thought we were getting the the good Anthony Richardson that we saw. Uh, last year, hey, look, I thought we were going to get that game in uh, and, and game out, and we didn't. You know, the Utah game uh, didn't do us any favors there. You know, I, hey, all this hype, game one, go out there and beat a top ten Utah. Where Anthony Richardson kind of just takes over the game at times with with, with some big plays and some jaw dropping plays. And unfortunately, that, that's that's not that, that's not what we got. As you said, great kid uh, on off the field, great teammate. I, I hope he goes out there and does well, uh, but. You know, I just disappointing that we didn't get the Anthony Richardson that uh, that so many of us were waiting to see this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's okay to be sad that he's that we're not going to get to see what a consistent Anthony Richardson could have provided for for the Florida team, right? That had he been that guy this year, the team still probably just goes like nine and three, eight and four. Yeah. Um, but next year, you would have had an opportunity with sort of Napier's vision being formed around the team to if he took a step forward, it could have been a really magical season. And coming back. A Gainesville native, or at least you know somebody who played at high school football in Gainesville, um, and has his family there in Gainesville to come back another year. And if you lead a magical season, that puts you in the realm of guys like Tim Tebow. That puts you in the realm of the guys like the O fours. You know, when you're talking about Noah Horford, Brewer, and Green, and those guys became legends. And and Richardson's not going to get that. And that is something that he's giving up by deciding to go to the NFL is the opportunity to be a true, true legend at Florida. And look, I mean, we'll always support him. We'll always root for him. I hope everybody will root for him. Yeah. Um, like I said, for, from all from everything I've heard, he's a great kid. And so, you know, I, I can't begrudge someone for following their dream. And I don't think people grow up dreaming to play in the SEC championship or dreaming to play in the college bowl championship series or playoff or whatever it's called these days. And certainly um, I'm not sure that that they dream in playing in like the best of 12 or the 12 team playoff either because it hasn't been around. Right. But every single kid who plays football growing up has imagined themselves in the Super Bowl. And, you know, that is what that is your dream. That is what you are pursuing. You have the opportunity to do that. And the opportunity may still be there next year, but it may not. So I look at it and I go, the window could close or you know the window's open and you take it and, and maybe there's a financial penalty for doing that. But um, I suspect that he's going to turn out okay um, given the amount of money that's floating around in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hey, look, that's part of it too. Uh, take care of your family. Uh, and speaking of taking care of your family, uh, our next player right here profiled Will Dervon Dexter, defensive lineman for the Gators, five-star coming in. Uh, one of the very few five-stars far down the roster. One of the very few five-stars Dan Mullen was able to to pull uh, in the recruiting world, and he's declaring for the NFL draft as well. Uh, up front on the defensive line, Will did, did learn uh, throughout the season he was playing hurt, uh, injured his back a little bit, uh, was playing hurt through most of uh, the, the, the season. Uh, not sure he ever reached up to that five-star level, didn't have a lot of help up front, uh, of course, when he's up, uh, up front and he's about the only guy um, that has to, you know, Garners double teams, gets double teams, game after game, triple team at times uh, we saw as well. Uh, you know, either way, um, probably did not live up to that five-star potential, five-star status there, uh, but will go on to the uh, NFL draft. And like I said, has a kid um, there, so you know, I'm sure that's coming in to the uh, equation as well. Not many college kids out there have to support a family and Jervon Dexter does, uh, so he will not blame him whatsoever. Uh, have have look, I'm not blaming anybody to go go get money for, 
in, in the first place. Uh, but when looking at uh, his situation, you got a kid, you're trying to take care of your family. Uh, hey, you do that at the the, the first opportunity uh, that you can get. What's some nice NIL money out there too to be able to do that? Sure, absolutely. But you're not turning down uh, NFL money. And look, I, I doubt he's getting a first round grade right now. I know there was some before the season there for Dexter, uh, but you're probably looking at a second round, maybe third round pick there for for, for Jervon Dexter. Uh, but there was some question. I think about a month ago, he was kind of wavering on what to do, uh, whether he would return to Florida or go to the NFL draft. Um, but, you know, not a lot of football experience, Will, when he was coming out as a recruit. Uh, got that five-star label based on a lot of potential, size, speed, athleticism. Uh, come to Florida, had to play right away. I remember he got thrown in right away in that COVID season, uh, 2020 season. Florida's opening up the season at Ole Miss, Jervon Dexter, out there playing as a true freshman, Will, and it just seems like, hey, we go back to 2020 and kind of look at Florida's situation, and hey, Florida's had issues on the defensive line for a long time. Don't get me wrong, five stars, you want to be able to throw them out there, uh, but he had to go learn early, uh, and it's pretty much played in every game uh, that he'd come along, starting in that 2020 COVID season and his first season uh, there. So, Will, one five-star that Dan Mullen was able to pull in, going to leave for the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, Dexter's an interesting case. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the kid, but also his father passed away either right before yes. he started at yeah. Florida or right after he started at Florida. Good point. And, you know, so you sit there and look at that and say, you know, obviously there's more than just his son and, and his, I think, girlfriend or fiance to take care of as well when it comes to going to the NFL. And again, I mean, the, the money there is going to be significant. And hey, the money through NIL might be significant too, but it, no one's paying him, no one's guaranteeing him money for the next three or four years to come to Florida because he doesn't have those years of eligibility left, right? So there, there is a cost benefit analysis to be done there. I think it's interesting because my enduring image of, of Dexter is going to be a couple of years ago. He got triple teamed on a play by Tennessee and completely held up all three offensive linemen who were blocking him. <laughs> and the rest of the defense couldn't get home to the quarterback. And that's kind of in many ways, I think the story of Gravon Dexter is that there was always a dearth of talent around him, especially at the other nose position. And so there were guys there who were okay, like Antonio Valentino and Daquan Newkirk and Tyrone Truesdell. Yeah, Zach Carter Campbell. last year, you know, along the defensive front, not, you know, by him, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been talent, but there's been nobody all SEC level on on that defensive line for the last, well, really the last three years, right? And so he's been up there and he's been playing, but he, he and he had, there have been times where he's played at an all SEC level. I think our friend Bud Davis actually looked at it and mm -hmm. said that in the first half of games this year, he was playing at an all SEC level, but he was playing so many snaps that by the time he got to the third and fourth quarter, they were, they were exhausted. Now, look, was he a difference maker on the defense? No, not consistently. He did not get that pressure up the middle that caused major, major headaches for every team. Nobody really, I don't think, had to scheme for Dexter in order to prevent him from wreaking havoc on, on the opposition. But again, I think part of that is just when there's no one else you're afraid of on the defensive line, then you can you can centralize your attention on the guy up front who could potentially cause that havoc. And he was double teamed an awful lot. So, you know, look, I, I think um, you know, not every five-star works out perfectly. No. I think we've been very clear about that. But he's going to be an NFL draft pick, right? He's going to be like a second or a third round draft pick, which means you have a guy who has been productive and has played a lot, right? So Florida got an awful lot out of Gravon Dexter in, in the three years that he's been here. Um, 
you know, whether they got like elite, elite play out of him, I think is kind of irrelevant. They got an awful lot out of the guy. And I think you, you shake his hand, say congratulations and thanks for everything that you did. I mean, you committed, you know, blood, sweat and tears to this program through some pretty significant transitions and decided to put your faith in the program in a way that not many other five star mm-hmm. guys have over the last five or six years. And so, you know, if we're looking at defensive tackles who are coming in in the next few years, you know, a lot of them are going to pattern that what they do around what Gervon Dexter did this year. And, and Patrick Tony is going to be able to show recruits, Hey, this is how we're going to use you and those sorts of things. This is why we need you and, and all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think you could be unhappy with a guy who's going to be an NFL draft pick if he's coming and played for your team. We just we just need a lot more of those guys, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, give, give me three or four to drive on, Dexter. We're probably, uh, po- po- probably cooking pretty good uh, up there. Hey, look, we, we see the emphasis on defensive front uh, in this coming 2023 uh, recruiting class. So, uh, all right, we got plenty more to get into, all these departures uh, that we'll get into. More guys heading to the NFL, but also – um, just regular transfers heading into the transfer portal. Uh, but before we get there, of course, your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position, and it's about time you did too with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the NFL, bet on all these college football bowl games coming up, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. Sign up at MyBookie using promo code GATERS on the deposit of $500 or more, and you can claim a bonus of up to $200. Again, that's promo code GATERS to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for bettors looking to get their cash in and cash out quick. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere at MyBookie. You know the goosebumps you get when Florida takes the field? Or when that 63-yard Hail Mary actually works? Or the thrill of a game-winning interception in the end zone? What a rush. You can experience that same rush every day at your home with Shark Coatings. We'll cover your old, ugly concrete with a beautiful industrial concrete coating and a warranty that lasts longer than most careers in professional football. So whether your garage floor is for parking, partying, or working out, Shark Coatings can transform it. And if your pool deck is starting to look like a bulldog, old, cracked, and smells like pee, Shark Coatings can transform that too. Shark Coatings is easy to clean, stain resistant, and is 100% antibacterial and antimicrobial. We're easy on the eyes and on the maintenance. Gator Nation is worldwide, and Shark Coatings is based right in the heart of it. So whether you live in Brunswick, Georgia, or Live Oak, Florida, down to Ocala, over to New Smyrna Beach, or anywhere in between, contact us for a free estimate today. Learn more at sharkfloorcoatings.com. That's sharkfloorcoatings.com. All right, plenty more right here to get into on Gators Breakdown. I'll throw up the list of all the departures because there are a lot of them. But one more, Will, I just kind of want to maybe single out because he may be walking away from Florida with an All-American brick. That is one offensive guard, Osiris Torrance, the best overall player on the Gators team. And look, there was probably some question out there. And like, I, I felt confident, of course, because probably some orange and blue glasses to go along with it. But him there with Louis- at Louisiana with Billy Napier, can he come with Billy Napier, play in the SEC, and keep that level of play up? And he absolutely did. <laughs> Looking like a first-round pick right now uh, in, in the NFL draft is one Osiris Torrance and uh, just really led the way for this Gator team, kind of the transition uh, with Billy Napier, helping along that offensive line, along with Montreal Johnson uh, there at running back, of course, that really kind of gathered this offense up and really be able to rely on the run game for – 
I guess, 11 out of the 12 games. <laughs> we know there was that one disappointing game uh, there against Vanderbilt. But for the most part, of course, that run game led by him up front and was dominant. Uh, he was did not give up a sack in his career, Will, which is just an unreal stat when you go back and looking at it. Uh, as much as he played as a young guy at Louisiana and then coming to Florida, elevating his play in SEC play, still not giving up a sack. Look, of course, quarterback Levi Lewis at Louisiana was able to escape some pressure. Ranthony Richardson able to do so here at Florida, too, with the one year he played with Osiris Torrance. But uh, the reputation, I mean, he was immediately loved right away because we knew of his potential will, and boy, did he live up to it. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, guy's going to be a first-round draft pick. Ends up, he, He's already on, I think, PFF released their all-SEC team, and he was a first-team all-SEC player on PFF's team. I believe that. Along with Ethan White, actually. Yeah, but AP, yeah, there you go. Did him and Ethan White, I believe, too. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that obviously Florida's offensive line was the strength of the team. It was really the only strength of the team when you think about what was there consistently in every game except for the one against Vanderbilt and uh you know, look, I, I think we all knew that they needed to replace some some guys over there. I mean, you had Stuart Reese and you had Gene Delance over there on the right-hand side. You bring in Tarquin and Torrance. And look, if you bring in a guy who who, who plays to a first-round draft pick level, even if it's for a year, you go, hey, thanks. Here's your brick <laughs> and uh, and good luck at the NFL. We'll send you a bunch of merch while you're in there. Make sure you sing the praises for the program. And I think in many ways, uh, both Montreal Johnson and Osiris Torrance are one of the places where Florida fans are looking for hope, yes. right? We talked about Dan Mullen and sort of the idea that that hope was gone after the recruiting classes sort of being the same year after year after year. Well, look, I mean, these are guys that Billy Napier recruited to Louisiana that other programs didn't want. Florida didn't want Osiris Torrance. Florida didn't want Montreal Johnson. They could have gone and gotten those guys most likely if they wanted to, and they didn't. And those guys have turned out to be significant contributors to the SEC in the first year that they've been here. Now, Johnson has a couple of years of eligibility left, and it's going to be a major a major thorn in other SEC program sides for a while. Um, and, you know, it makes me excited for guys like Cameron Waits. Mm -hmm. right? It makes me excited for some of the guys that they brought in in, that 20, um, in the 2022 class, you know, some of those offensive linemen in the – five, six, seven hundred range. What did they see in those guys? It makes me excited to see Arliss Boardingham. You know, he was sort of or not Boardingham, uh Livingston, Tony Livingston. They mm. had they, he was an offensive lineman who sort of converted to tight end. Well, okay, now you got a guy, you know, look at what happened with the tight ends this year and 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 how none of them were really elite blockers and none of them were elite pass catchers. And are you going to be able to get some of that out of the guys that, that are brought in? And then you think about Napier being his own offensive coordinator so that he can have two offensive line coaches. And what does that mean for the development of that particular position? So, you know, obviously they put a, they put an emphasis on that position by having two coaches and that position lived up to the hype because Florida was able to run the ball against just about everybody when they were given an opportunity. And Torrance was a huge part of that. And so, you know, this is one of those where you say, thank you, job well done, yeah. enjoy the money in the NFL, and, uh, you know, if you got a little brother, tell him to come to Florida. <laughs> yeah, we need to check into that <laughs> uh, right there. So, all right, uh, tease it along enough, and, man, just uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to full screen it because I got the font so small uh, on, on my end, but just this list – oh, never mind, I can read it. Okay, I'm surprised. I got some good eyes here. So, um, there's the long list. 28 names right there. Now, not all the transfers, of course, if you see the first few names, of course, that's the guys who have run out of eligibility – uh, at, at Florida, you're trading Amari Bernie, Jordan Pouncey, Ventro Miller. Those guys cannot play another down for Florida. <laughs> Florida, they they will uh, 
They, of course, they got some different years, all the red shirts, all the COVID years, but, uh, but the way they've played their careers out, they cannot, uh, they, they won't play again uh, for the Gators. So you, you take those four uh, just as eligibility runouts. And then, of course, we go, and Will and I, of course, hit on a lot of these guys last week um, when we saw some of these guys either being um, or announcing that they were going to go ahead and transfer or being dismissed from the team. So I'll go through the list. One time, just a one quick read-through of all of them, and then Will and I would kind of go and, and, and discuss some of them. Uh, so I already mentioned Trey Dean, Amari Bernie, Jordan Pounce, Eventual Miller. Uh, and then starting with some of the transfers dismissals, we got Joshua Braun, offensive lineman, long snapper Marco Ortiz, outside linebacker Brenton Cox, defensive back Kamar Wilcoxon, running back Naquan Wright, running back Lorenzo Lingard, wide receiver Trent Rittemore, wide receiver Justin Shorter, who uh, declared for the NFL Draft, uh, Osiris Torrance declared for the NFL draft. Uh, Will Harad, of course, he took part in senior day, so I added him to this list. I would not expect him uh, to be uh, on the Gator team next year. That's kind of what this list is about, too, is, hey, look, new faces uh, for the Gators, and these are going to be old faces. <laughs> so Will Harad taking part in senior day. I do not think he'll be on the team next year. Tied in Nick Elksness uh, on the way out. Linebacker Dewan Black, defensive lineman, offensive lineman, uh, utility Griffin McDowell, uh, defensive back Avery Helm maybe surprised a little bit of people last week when he announced. Uh, quarterback Jalen Kitna and the story there last week. Wide receiver Dejon Reynolds a little bit of a surprise as well. Um, Florida brings in wide receiver class, deep wide receiver class, talented wide receiver class. Um, maybe getting out, uh, but before maybe getting passed up uh, there. Had that big game versus Vanderbilt. Uh, right here, safety Donovan McMillan, another big kind of a surprise there. Safety Corey Collier, linebacker David Reese, linebacker Chief Borders, who announced today uh, that he's going to transfer. And we've already discussed defensive lineman Jervon Dexter, quarterback Anthony Richardson. And then later today as well, offensive lineman Yusef McGarble, who I was told was not on scholarship this past year. So uh, how that works out, you know, we, we'll see. And then defensive lineman Jalen Lee as well. So, Will, looking at it, like I said, 28 names here, some of them NFL declarations, some of them running out of eligibility, a lot of transfers here for the Gators. Uh, probably we'll go to running back. The storyline that's there, Will, we mentioned Montreal Johnson. Of course, you got to mention Trevor Etienne. Passing up, Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard. Those are the guys... Nick Wright, more experienced in a Gator uniform coming into this season. Uh, more so than the other guys, of course, Lorenzo Lingard, been around the program, just could not ever break through, passed up by Trevor Etienne in fall camp. Even after Lorenzo Lingard reportedly had a really good spring practice, uh, but, well, I mean, the two new faces in the running back room basically caused Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard to hit the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, you can't complain about what we got from that position. Right? <laughs> Correct. We got Montreal Johnson with 144 attempts, 827 yards, and 10 touchdowns. ETN with 110 attempts, 705 yards, 6.4 yards per attempt, and six touchdowns. And really some special runs from ETN where he was able to convert a two-yard gain into a six-yard gain to get a first down and those sorts of things. Johnson much more sort of straight up and down, but a lot more big plays where it was like, you know, 30, 35, 40 yards. Though ETN obviously had the big 85-yarder against South Carolina. But, yeah, I mean, look, they're not going anywhere. They're both younger yeah. than Lingard and and Naquan Wright. And quite honestly, Naquan Wright started for the first couple games yeah. of the year 
and was a little bit underwhelming. He averaged four yards in attempt. They weren't throwing to him out of the backfield. The one time they tried was the pick six that wound up going the other direction for Kentucky. Um, you know, and that wasn't Wright's fault, obviously, but, um, you know, there was a miscommunication between him and Anthony Richardson, which turned into that uh, turned into that pick six. Will so, before you before you go further and on that storyline, probably in there early because you know one one of the better blocking backs there. I think as Montreal Johnson got his feet wet, as Trevor Etienne got his feet wet, got more reps there. I think that's one reason we probably saw him early. But yeah, it didn't take long for this the production from the other two guys to kind of pass him up. Well, and again, I mean, you've got both of those guys coming back and you're going to have additional guys coming in in this recruiting yeah. class who are running back as well. And so you think about what you need at that spot. Those guys were going to be special teams guys um, at, at you know a maximum unless there were injuries that just sort of drove them into the, into the forefront. And even then, I mean, you figure by the time you get injuries, if you get injuries to Johnson and ETN, well, now by then your, your recruits ought to be ready. And, you know, yeah, they might need to fortify maybe with the, maybe through the transfer portal, bringing a guy in at that position. But the reality is the depth at running back is pretty strong and the quality at running back is pretty strong. So not a real big surprise to see those guys, those guys heading out the door. Um, Will, you think a good decision? I, I, I think so. Justin Shorter, I mean, probably really just he's been here long enough. Uh, probably good to just go ahead and, and declare for the NFL. I mean, I'm sure he got draft grade. That's why he's going uh, but like I said, they got the big receiver recruiting class coming in in, in, in 23. Uh, did some good things. Had that big catch to open up the game versus LSU. Was a big downfield target for Richardson this year. Uh, but I do think, you know, probably won't be a such a big miss for the Gator receiver room uh, in, next year. No, I mean, Shorter was never special. I think Shorter was a serviceable outside receiver, and and I think he struggled with some of the blocking schemes that were implemented by both staffs, to be honest with you. So some of those, some of those, you know, screen passes to nowhere that went to the outside, you know, sometimes it was because the wide receivers weren't blocking very well, and and Shorter was a part of that. But you know, look, he averaged nineteen point nine yards per catch this year, just slightly behind Ricky Pearsall at twenty point six, which suggests that he can get behind a defense. And he's a big target, right? So you think about what they do at the NFL level, making those back shoulder throws and making sure that a guy can go up and high point it and those sorts of things. I think Shorter showed this year that he can do that. I think a couple of years ago, he hadn't really shown that. That In fact, I think I think it was the Oklahoma game where he had a couple of drops where there were some opportunities there and, and just he wasn't able to bring the ball in. I think there were actually two opportunities in that game. And, and so Shorter has, has clearly made some strides. Um, he's not a perfect prospect by any means, but I think, you know, you think about guys like Van Jefferson, you think about guys like Trevon Grimes, you think about guys like, um, you know, Josh Hammond and those sorts of things. And he's, he's sort of in that, in that mold. Like I, I wouldn't say that he was like better than Freddie Swain, but I wouldn't say that like Swain was head and shoulders above in terms of his performance here compared to shorter. And so you think about where those guys went in the NFL, um, you know, Tyree Cleveland, those sorts of things, a fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick. Yeah. I think that's probably something that people take a flyer on for a guy as tall and as physically talented as shorter. Uh, okay. Let's keep going down the list a little bit. We discussed most of these guys last week, so let's keep going. Avery Helm uh, has announced since then will, and let's just keep going into secondary Donovan and Dylan, Corey call you junior. Uh, of course, Call, Collier just never could really break through, even when some t- you know, uh, uh, subpar safety play uh, back there really couldn't crack the rotation. Uh, either Donovan McMillan, uh, kind, kind, kind of the same way there. There was some talk, though, of one reason him moving on. Look, he would have had ample opportunity to earn a job uh, in the spring, but thought there was some thought that he could be moved to linebacker, and that was 
part of uh, maybe the decision to move uh, on from Florida. So I, I, I think Nick DeLatore had put that out there somewhere, and then I was told by someone else that that could have been in the works. So Donovan McMillan may be moving from safety to linebacker, maybe not in their plans, and one reason to hit the transfer portal uh, right there. But uh, Avery Helm, of course, started the season uh, before uh, Jaden Hill uh, was healthy enough to come back um, you know, earlier in, in the season, but Avery Helm started the first few games. Uh, kind of, you know, just um, nothing really standing out. Had some good plays, had some bad plays, much like a lot of people in the secondary, uh, this Gator secondary. But um, and when you look at it, Will, and honestly, probably when we're talking transfers, I mean, there's really nobody that stands out to where I say, ouch. Uh, and I think you start looking at the, the secondary, the issues Florida has had there uh, the, the last couple of years. I mean, that's probably the best explanation of it. There's been some bad play back there in the secondary. There's been plenty of opportunity for a Corey Collier, a Donovan McMillan to maybe break through, and they just haven't done so. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, look, as bad as the defense has been, if there were opportunities for guys to stop up, if there were guys who were flashing in practice, they would have gotten some opportunities. And I think that's sort of the, to me, that's the takeaway. The takeaway for me for this entire list is that other than the seniors who are leaving, who who are the folks who are going to get real playing time next year if they came back? It was Dexter, it was Richardson, it was Shorter, and it was Torrance. Right, Th- those were the guys who were going to get significant playing time, and you've got 28 guys on this list, but there are only four that I look at and say these guys were getting major playing time if they came back next year. And so, from the standpoint of the quality of the 2023 team, I think the list of folks leaving Florida is is relatively inconsequential. I mean, look, could we have used depth with Nick Elksness? Absolutely. Could would it have been nice to have a DB with starting experience in the SEC and Avery Helm? Absolutely. Did Dejon Reynolds show some stuff in that Vanderbilt game? Sure, he did. But he, but he also dropped a couple of balls in that in that in that game that sort of indicated maybe why he hasn't necessarily gotten all those opportunities. And you know, look, I, I think we all knew that there was going to be turnover. And one of the things I think we do need to look back on, and maybe I'll even write an article about this, but one of the things I think we need to recognize is that. Dan Mullen did not have this kind of turnover when he came into the program and sort of rode the Jim McElwain recruits into their senior year and their redshirt senior year to success in 2021 or in, in, in 2019 and then 2020. And then the bottom fell out in 2021 when all of a sudden his recruits had to step in and hadn't really gotten the experience. And now we're sort of experiencing that 2020, that 2020 class now. So you think about Anthony Richardson or Gervon Dexter. Those are guys from that 2020 class. Some of these other guys are from that 2020 class. And, you know, look, it's a healthy thing to have turnover and bring in new blood and say, look, we're going to try to build this program in our image. And one of the things we're going to do is these guys who were backups who couldn't break through against units, especially on the defensive side. I mean, the defensive units were all ranked in the hundreds the whole way along the way. So if you couldn't break in against that, 
I don't imagine that from a transfer perspective, you're going to be transferring to another power five school. I think you're probably looking at going to a group of five or potentially even lower than that. If, if you couldn't break it against Florida's defense as a defensive player. So, um, Look, I think some of these guys will probably find some homes someplace that are that's a little bit um, higher than maybe what I think. But I think some of these guys are going to be surprised in terms of when they transfer that the the things they put on film have not been good enough to crack this lineup. Which means that the things they put on film are going to it's going to be a struggle for some of them to land someplace um, where where they want to land. I, I hope they all land places where they can be successful. But I, I don't think the I don't think Florida fans are going to sit there and go, "Oh, this guy left." How are we going to manage? It's no, this guy left. We'll we'll bring in a freshman, or we'll bring in somebody from the transfer portal to fill that gap because what's le- the production that's leaving is not really all that significant. Yeah, this is not, a, and I know there's a lot of trolling going on out there, but I've seen some Gator fans maybe worry about it. Look, this is not a cultural problem for the high number of transfers. This is a we need to rebuild. <laughs> that's what this is, you know. And we've seen teams do that in the last couple of years, just completely get demolished uh, by guys leaving and hitting the transfer portal. But, you know, here's the thing. That now allows you to bring in transfer portal options. Yeah, and and I just look at it and say – not only is it a rebuild, I, I'd have to go look at other programs, but I bet you there's a bunch of other programs that are sort of on the periphery of being competitive or or have just gone through coaching changes. They're going to have similar levels of turnover. Mm-hmm. And, okay, you're going to have similar levels of turnover. Now the question is, what can you do with it? And so if you bring in a more competitive situation than the one you had before, great, right? And, and there's going to be an opportunity to do that, like you mentioned, through the transfer portal, but also through high school recruiting. Like there is an opportunity now to go out and sign, you know, 28, 29, 30 guys, bring those guys in and have three or four years to develop those guys, as opposed to some of these guys. I mean, you think about a guy like DeWan Black. Obviously, he was dismissed from the program, but he didn't have a whole lot of eligibility left. Griffin McDowell, I think, was the 2018 recruiting class for Dan Mullen. So not a lot of eligibility left there either. Um, you know, Collier, I think, was 2021, so he has a few years left. But David Reese is a guy who's really struggled through injuries. I mean, I hope that guy goes someplace yeah. and, and plays well with all the injuries that he's gone through. But again, from the standpoint of how many years do you really have left and what are you looking to build, um, I, I think, you know, we've said all along, all off seasons, the bump class is a critical thing for Billy Napier to get right, and this allows him to supplement the bump class in a way that maybe he wouldn't have if he was holding on to some of these guys. So... Um, again, you wish them well. You hope they do well. Um, I'm not necessarily. Um, I'm not necessarily. I don't necessarily think that we're going to look up and say, "Oh, that guy. How did we let him get away?" <laughs> yeah. Maybe I will, and in some ways, I kind of hope that we do. Right. I. I hope a guy like Naquan Wright latches latches on somewhere where they can use him out of the backfield as a receiver, where it really accentuates his skill set. And hey, maybe he ends up as a third round back or a third down back in the NFL. But um, you know, I saw Josh Braun today um, announce yeah. that he had uh, that he had committed to. to Arkansas. To Arkansas. So he is one of those guys who's going to be in that power five bunch. And hey, maybe Sam Pittman, who's the guy who originally recruited him to Georgia, mm-hmm. will uh will turn him into a guy and we go, Wow, how did we not get how did we not see that? How did we not um bring that guy along? But you know, if you had to tell me that I was gonna get this year of Osiris Torrance versus, you know, Josh Braun for a couple of years, eh, I think, you know, all all SEC, all American level play, you don't turn that down, right? You want competition. You want people to see what that sort of level of play is, and and Torrance was able to give that. And so the fact that Braun wasn't able to break through is just an unfortunate side effect of that. All right, so before we end this episode, of course, it's been 
a very busy day. So I'm try. I'll put together a list of some of the names that have announced uh, that they're in the transfer portal. Uh, more so, you know, these are guys that have been mentioned that mentioned that they're in the portal, or they have put it out there themselves. Uh, there, so I put quarterback and then some others uh, right there. Of course, everybody's going to be looking at quarterback after Anthony Richardson declares. You don't want to necessarily have to rush in Jaden Rashada as a true freshman. Not sure of your beliefs out there if Jack Miller can get the job done or not. I believe Florida will be pretty aggressive here as far as quarterbacks go. So these are the ones that have put their name out there today of names of interest here for me. So Spencer Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State, Hudson Card, Texas, Devin Leary, NC State, which was probably the biggest surprise of of them all. I didn't expect that one uh, so much. Uh, Keaton Slovis there at Pitt. There's been some rumors that Florida has been in contact with him. Look, just because there's contact does not mean he's the top option there. Uh, that's just uh, that's just what I'll say about that one. I don't believe he's the top uh, option there for Florida. Then Austin Reed, Western Kentucky uh, quarterback, has put up some insane, insane stats this year uh, there at Western Kentucky. So these are the guys, uh, at least at the quarterback position, Will, that I have taken note of. Uh, and then I'm telling you, uh, just based off of this list, uh, I would not be too disappointed with one Devin Leary <laughs> coming from NC State to Florida. Yeah, there's going to be more. Yes. Right? There's going to be more guys who go out there. There's I should have said that. Yeah. yeah, disclaimer. There will be. Yeah. As was it, there will be more. This is this is just the first day of the transfer portal. There is a window. There are some bowl games left to be played. They're going to respect their programs. They'll play in their bowl game. Then they'll release that they want to transfer. This is just day one. Well, and and I think there's there's a there's a fundamental thing that Billy Napier and his staff need to decide, and I don't know what they're going to decide, and I think we're going to find out in the next four, five, six months, probably even really. Do want to do the transfer and a sort of paper over holes, or do they want to go ahead and build? through high school recruiting and so if you say high school recruiting then the guys you need to put emphasis on are desmond ricks and kwarusa and james smith and, <laughs> and samson okanlola and, and landing those guys and if you bring those guys in quite honestly i don't care who you get here because i think you know i said it this year i did not expect florida to win the national championship in 2022 i do not expect florida to win the national championship in 2023 the juggernaut that has been built at georgia is substantial and so it's gonna take some time to build up to where you can get to that point i believe you do that through high school recruiting now if you're gonna do it through the transfer portal then i think you need to be strategic and what that really means to me is that you got to find the places that are kind of low-hanging fruit on your team. So where were the places where Florida just really struggled? And so, one, maybe quarterback, right, because you think about how inconsistent it was. But I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time and energy and resources going after wide receivers. Like, go get linebackers, defensive linemen, and really, I mean, the whole defense, obviously. But to me, linebackers and defensive linemen are the place that you focus. Um, and, you know, I don't know where Adelaide is from. They're from Texas A&M. But I would guess that's a guy that Billy Napier is familiar with, given that he ends up at Texas A&M, right? And that, I think, is one of the things you might see, is there are some guys who probably have committed to LSU and Arkansas and Alabama and some of those places that Billy Napier was was at least familiar with because they came from that Louisiana area. And he might be able to mine that a little bit. You know, we sort of talked about him going after guys who were already in that Louisiana, Texas area. This might be an opportunity to sort of go after some of those guys. But look, I mean, there's a reason why these guys are in the portal. 
right? I mean, and if you go back and look at that list that you flashed up there about Florida, there's a reason why all those guys are in the portal. And unless it's an Alabama guy or unless it's an Ohio State guy or a Clemson guy or a or a but the ones I threw up here, or, yeah, were either high level recruits or they did good things for their school. Yeah, well, but even then, I mean, I, you look at it and say, okay, why is this guy leaving? Yeah. And what's what's the purpose for him leaving? And you got to vet all that stuff out mm-hmm. too, right? Because there is a nil. <laughs> yeah, well, and and there is there is a team building component to that. As yeah. much as I hate the the, mm-hmm. the people who sit there and go, well, you know, you don't want to ruin the team chemistry. It's like, well, that's absolutely true. You don't want to ruin the team chemistry. I don't think you're going to ruin the team chemistry by giving somebody a couple of bucks. The question is going to be, do you? Does giving that person a couple of bucks change who they are? Or I guess I'm a firm believer in that money does not change who you are. It accentuates the things that were already there. (laughs) And the question is, when you make that leap to go someplace else for the highest bidder, are you accentuating the things that were there that maybe are, are problematic? And, you know, look, I don't know that to be sure, but. You know, it may be that NC State and Devin Leary just couldn't come to an agreement. He's already, you know, I think Mac was it Mac Brown the other day who was saying he had a player come to him and say he already had fifteen offers from different schools. Drake Nate, <laughs> Drake Nate. <laughs> you know, so if, so if Devin Leary has had the same thing, right? If if there are a group of folks who've come up there and basically told him there's money on the table, I don't blame him for taking it. At the same time there's some evaluation that needs to be done by Napier and by the staff. And it's a relatively quick turnaround, right? This is not two years of building a relationship with somebody. And then, you know, Hey, 18 months in, you find something out about a recruit and you decide, you know what, we're going to cool off on that. We're not going to bring that guy in because he doesn't fit with what we're trying to do here. In this case, you either need to already have a pre-existing relationship with the guy or you're building a relationship in the same way that you built a relationship with the guy for your transition class, right? Where you're trying to sort of speed date really quickly. Um, and then the, the other aspect of this, and I think this is something that we need to, that we need to make sure that we're cognizant of is I don't understand, like these guys are all going to be getting an IL deals too. And so I don't really understand why we would expect any different result in transfer portal recruiting than we do in normal high school recruiting, mm-hmm. right? Like, if Nick Saban wants any of these guys, Nick Saban's going to get these guys because he's got a better recruiting pitch and he has clearly been able to allocate resources in order to remain on top. Same thing with Kirby Smart. If Kirby Smart wants these guys, he's going to go get them. And the only way you're going to alter that is either you decide to spend more through NIL than than those guys do. Though at that point, they've just now made you waste resources you could have allocated towards high school guys. So you got to be really careful, right? I, I think that... I just I don't understand why people would be like, oh well, he's going to be better in the better a better recruiter through the transfer portal than he is through the high school. I, I think it's kind of the same thing, um, only the difference is you better hit in the transfer portal because you're allocating resources for less years, and so you better make sure mm. that you're getting exactly what you think you're getting when you bring a guy in. Yeah, we saw that late in Mullen's tenure, he wasn't able to hit in the transfer portal late in his tenure at Florida as he was early in his tenure. Uh, there at Florida, but some other names I just threw out here. Uh, you can, if you're watching the YouTube version, of course, you can kind of see it. But uh, if you're listening uh, along, went in, in, in state just a little bit, of course. Uh, linebacker Jeremiah Jean Baptiste at UCF, uh, wide receiver Ryan O'Keefe at UCF. Uh, they're really good production uh, from those two guys at UCF. Uh, Justin Flo at Oregon. I know just a big name 
Uh, would he make the track west uh, from the west there uh, back over here to Florida? Uh, Dominic Lovett, the Missouri wide receiver. I mean, just go back and listen to my Missouri preview. It tells you all you need to know about Dominic Lovett, big-time SEC production uh, from the Missouri wide receiver. Uh, Rara Thomas there from Mississippi State as well. Uh, Tumiste uh, Adelier from Texas A&M, Texas native I think it was the Texas A&M Florida battle uh, between those two schools uh, when he chose the Aggies. Not a lot of production uh, necessarily from him and his time there. Uh, and then Bama, of course, does have some names in here. Offensive lineman Javion Cohen, uh, they're from Alabama. Uh, linebacker uh, Dason McCullough, pretty good freshman linebacker from Indiana. Uh, but going back to Alabama just a bit, wide receiver JoJo Earl, wide receiver Christian Leary, uh, put their names into the portal as well. So would they entertain Billy Napier and Florida? And then defensive lineman Caleb Banks from Louisville, I uh, believe he was going to visit this weekend, Will, from the, <laughs> the last I heard. So one reason I had to put his name in there, uh, not 6'7", 300-pound nose tackle uh, from Louisville, um, part of their 2021 recruiting class. So has not played a, a, a whole lot there uh, for, for, for for Louisville, uh, but uh, an option there, big you know, big-time body, Florida definitely could use <laughs> the, the size there uh, for him. Let's see. Uh, did see action in seven games, but played just 38 total snaps with 26 of them coming against USF and Wake Forest. Uh, one assisted tackle against the Bulls and had a sack and fourth fumble on quarterback Sam Hartman against the Demon Deacons. So had to throw his name out there because that seems the one where it's kind of further along uh, than some of the rest. Yeah, I mean, look, I think these are things where um, – Napier and his staff hopefully have already evaluated this, right? I mean, yes. it's not as though these guys don't put out feelers. It's not as if these guys haven't been uh, – And they have a dedicated staff member that that's just all he does is transfer portal. Yeah. Now, I am really interested to see how they manage this because this is like the NBA where they have like tampering rules and all that sort of stuff where, you know, everybody knew that uh, Jalen Brunson was going to go to the Knicks before he signed with the Knicks this past offseason. And it's going to start to get ridiculous if in October we know some guy is going to go from, uh, you know, Georgia Tech to Alabama while he's still out on the field. So Mm -hmm. I am interested to see sort of how this how this builds as we go, because what's going to end up happening is is it's just going to go earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier. And yeah, people won't be able to announce that or earlier you know they won't be able to officially get contacted and that sort of stuff but if there's all sorts of unofficial contacting going on in the back then why does it matter but again i I think what i would say is the place that i'm excited the places that i'm excited from the folks that you listed up here are the defensive guys right so gene baptiste at linebacker clayton smith at linebacker you got adelaide at defensive line you got mccullough at linebacker you, you you got caleb banks at defensive line like that is the place where florida needs help if Florida ju- if Florida takes a small step back on offense and is able to field a competent defense, Florida's going to go eight and four next year. And so you think about the low hanging fruit, the place where Florida can immediately get better with a talent infusion and a talent upgrade. It's on the defensive side of the ball. And so if that's what you're going for, I think that's where you focus. You focus on the defensive side of the ball. I agree there, Will. Absolutely. Quarter- quarterback, possibly, if you just want that one year stop gap, as I said, not to have to force anything at quarterback. Uh, and then, of course, that kind of leads to you got Jade Rashada in the mix. And then, of course, Will Wednesday, big day, DJ Lagway, five-star quarterback for the class of 2024. We don't usually look forward to much, uh, but when a five-star with his status, <laughs> and look, we're about to turn the page to 2024 recruiting class anyway, so it's still close enough to talk about it. Uh, hey, about time to win some of these battles for big elite 
five-star recruits. I don't care what position he is. Look, quarterback just makes it even more important. But, Will, it's, it's about time to win some battles like this. Yeah, well, you think about what Florida already has in the class, right? You got Miles Graham, who in the composite is ranked the 30th best player overall. You got Chauncey Bowens, who's at 276. But if Lagaway commits, that means you got two guys in the top 30 already to start off that 2024 class. <laughs> and if you think about where yeah. the 2023 class is lacking, it is those guys who are go. in the top 30. And it would and be, so, you know, counting Kamari Wilson, he was the highest one in Billy Napier's transition class. And then you count this 23 class, Miles Graham and DJ Lagway would be the two highest commits for Billy Napier so far. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So our, our buddy Bill Sykes wrote an article for Read Reaction a couple of years ago now where he was talking about clustering. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot right, a lot lately. Where What he was basically saying is that it takes a certain number of all SEC performances to actually win the SEC. I think the number he came up with was like the minimum was like six and a half, but the average was like almost nine. So you need nine guys to make the all SEC team. I think it was the first or second SEC teams um, in order to have a team that's going to compete for the SEC title. And so – what what you would see is Alabama essentially just reloads, right? I mean, they've got <laughs> they got nine this year. Those guys all go to the NFL. Hey, we had seven and a half. You know, we had eight this year, and those guys go to the NFL. We had nine last year, but but the other teams like the Auburns and the LSU's and those sorts of teams have had that year where they've popped up and everything is hit all at the same time. If you think of the LSU team in 2019, I mean, geez, that entire team got strafed by the NFL draft afterwards. I think they had 13 or 14 guys go and get drafted from that particular team. And so there is a lot, a, a, especially with NIL where it's no longer just, can you recruit better? It's, do you have the funds to do it? There is a school of thought that if you're going to try to cluster these guys together, that you better do it all in one class because you want all those guys to hit at one time. And so is it possible that Napier's strategy here overall has been, I'm going to use my second class to fortify basically the baseline, right? I want guys who aren't necessarily going to transfer out if they don't get to play right away. We're going to build these guys in the 100 to 150 to 200, and then we're going to come in and and spend on one particular class to supplement that thing that we've built. So the, the 2023 class comes in, you find five, six, seven, eight good starters, and now you have the A&M sliced bread class coming in the year after where you've got eight, nine, ten guys in the top 100. Look, I don't think that's what they're doing. <laughs> I'm not sure it's <laughs> intentional. But if you were going to play things that way, that would be the way to do it. Like if you said, look, we our goal here is to fly a flag, and the way to fly a flag right now is to hit on a quarterback and to make sure that we cluster all of our talent together in a year or two. Now, most of the time, what that means is just maximize your recruiting classes every year. But if you're resource limited, right, if if you've only got a certain number of NIL deals to give to true five-star guys, you might need to pick and choose. You can't just be Alabama and Georgia if you don't have those sorts of resources. I don't know what sorts of resources Florida has. At this point, it sounds like I'm just making mistakes or just making excuses for, for the staff in the 2023 class. But look, I mean, you get Lagway and you get Graham and you have the start of an excellent excellent 2024 class and you're not going to be able to complain about high-end talent in that class chances are you get one or two more guys in that space and now we're talking about an elite elite top three top four class and that's what florida's going to need to compete with the big boys so i'm excited about where that 2024 class is headed but obviously big day on thursday wednesday 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 you gotta have uh, 4 p.m on espn i believe uh they're gonna air it so that's how that's how big one of these are he's not even a class of 23 guy he's a 24 guy and they're gonna air it on espn uh, well, as like I said, one of the top overall players in the 24 class. It seems to be a Florida-USC battle right now. Uh, so, 
Well, four o'clock. I'm going to have to get to work early so that at four I don't feel bad if I'm sitting there on my phone just hitting refresh, <laughs> refresh, refresh, refresh. Hopefully it doesn't turn out like that Cormani McLean commitment where like they I just know. didn't televise it. And, feel good, feel good. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it doesn't end up like that. I feel, I feel, I feel good about this one. The Cormani McLean one probably, you know, puts a little bit of damper on feeling like, you know, a 10 out of 10 as confidence goes. Uh, but hey, look, like if we said, you just got to got to finish, got to close, got to get this one done. Yep, time to close the deal. All right, well, man, uh, what you got coming up on Read Reaction this week? Yeah, so I'm still working on the recruiting article you and I were talking about last week. <laughs> I, had, I had meant to do it, and now I've got the I've got the sinus thing that you had, so that knocked me down for a couple of days. I am writing something on on Richardson. Um, you know the the. He's he's always sort of had a special place in my heart as a as a Florida fan, and so I'm going to write something about him and uh, I'll have that like half complete right now. So and then stand up and holler's coming up later this week as well, so you can head over to YouTube. Um, you know we didn't talk about it at all tonight, but if if people are interested in my thoughts on Jalen Kitna, um, I talked mm. about that in the last stand up and holler episode. I don't want to speak to that any more than that because that was that was those were my thoughts, and uh, you know I don't want to speak out of turn to that. So if anybody wants to see what I'm what I'm up to or what I think about that particular situation, you can check it out over there. Yeah, I mean, I know people have asked me about it too. Look, if you guys listen to Gadgets Breakdown long enough, you know, we're about, I'm, I'm about the football side of things. I know there's other side of, of that too. We kind of discussed, discussed it. We've discussed Florida's quarterback situation. We've discussed the bowl game. We know what the situation is there. Uh, unfortunate situation, sad situation. Hopefully it all gets resolved. Uh, but uh, some inexcusable actions there uh, happening there with uh, one Jalen Kitna. So, uh, Will, uh, hey, quick, one thing. What you think? Final four, Georgia, Ohio State playing each other, Michigan, TCU. I know you all probably I, talk I, about it on stand up and holler, so you don't have to ruin or spoil anything there. But nah, no, no, yeah. I, I think the 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 real the 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 real issue here for me is that um, there's such a difference between the conferences that I I I actually do buy Nick Saban's argument that Alabama should be in. Though I'm sort of happy that Alabama got left out. Um, I'm really pleased that USC got beat and Ohio State slipped in, if only because I think Ohio State probably is the most equipped team to take out Georgia. I think Stetson Bennett has shown a proclivity to throw the ball up from time to time. And I think Ohio State has a quarterback who has the ability to take advantage of it. I don't think Michigan or TCU probably do. So I, I like the fact that George is playing Ohio State to start with just because I want the Bulldog, Bulldogs to go down and burn. And, uh, <laughs> you know, other than that, here, here. <laughs> go Horn Frogs, I guess, because once, <laughs> once Ohio State makes it to the final, I'm not going to want them or Michigan to win either. So, uh, um, you know, I guess I'm rooting for TCU when it comes down to it. Yeah, there we go. Yep. It would be nice to see TCU win a little bit. Of course, that would uh, everybody throw everybody. Oh, I told you stars don't matter, uh, of course. But you know, I can I can live with that ridiculous argument if that's what comes about it. But uh, well, they just don't matter for Kirby. I'll, I'll, that'll be the argument. <laughs> Last year proved that one wrong, dang it. Um, but yeah, there we go. All right, yeah, uh, a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, as I said, so hopefully. There will be a DJ Lagway committing to Florida episode later this week, uh, but I probably won't do one if he if he picks USC. I, I don't feel like doing one of those. All right, well he didn't pick Florida. Here's an episode anyway, uh, but we'll see. Uh, sometimes I, I did that with McLean just because it was so disappointing. But I told Will, you know what? I'm not doing an episode, and there I was the Friday morning after doing one anyway. So uh, I got to be honest, I'm not doing anything if he chooses to go to USC. <laughs> like, it just, no, it, like. 
You know my thoughts. We have to close on these eventually. <laughs> right. If we if we get it, I'm right. taking the day off of work. <laughs> Actually, I'm taking the day off anyway. So that's right. That's right. All right. Well, Miles, you can find him at readandreaction.com on YouTube, readandreaction, at Will Miles SEC on Twitter. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>